What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Jaguars week. Going to run through the stuff like usual. We're going to go through first thoughts, injury reports, stats, things to look for, players to watch, questions to answer, keys to win, a score prediction. And then, obviously, I've been trying to make this thing a feature for the last few seasons. Um interviewing some writers from the other side whether it's a writer or a content creator carlos sanchez of black and teal was nice enough to come on the pod for about 15 20 minutes and talk about the jaguars with me so uh there is that but thank you also to all of the pistons fans that made uh friday's stream special we got over 700 subscribers we got 710 right now at the moment of this recording so I appreciate all of you. Thank you. So, uh, first thoughts. I didn't expect, now, I said this in the previous podcast episode. I didn't expect the New York Giants to win those two games against the Ravens or the Packers. Which means good things and bad things. Good things, okay, well, they beat two very good teams. I don't care what anyone says. Both will resurge at some point. The bad thing is, is that, I still think that there's a loss to be had because the Giants aren't a superstar, superpower team where they could just say, okay, we're going to go 7-1 and one in the first eight games of the season, which I believe that would add up. So we're 5-1 and one right now, yeah. I just don't see us going 7-1 and one into the bye. Um, you know, obviously we have challenges down the stretch, but these are two teams that we are capable of losing to. And obviously last week off an emotional win and we closed it out and it was really the opposite for the Jaguars because well they didn't close their game out and they've lost three straight do they really want to lose a fourth straight to the New York Giants at home it's going to be tough and I there's going to be a lot of New York Giant fans uh who have come from New York to live in Florida or visit family or something like that there's gonna be a ton of Giant fans there um Jaguar Nation will probably be there as well I mean whatever the hell they call themselves. Another hashtag is Duval. I don't really get that, but that's not really any of my concern. So this is a trap game for the New York Giants. These next two games are trap games. And, you know, if we go one and one the next two games, I'll be a little pissed, but I'll be, okay, listen, we're, you know, what are we, six and two heading to the bye, then we get Houston, then we get Detroit. I mean, those are not as tough opponents as... Jaguars in Seattle so you know those are just winding out the schedule but anyway let's go into the injury report uh, for the New York Giants the following players are out Kadarius Tony hamstring injury no surprise Kenny Galladay no surprise knee injury Cordell Flott calf injury he's out uh, O'Shane Zimmon is with a quad injury he tweaked that quad on the interception by Julian Love and uh, did not return to the field they thought he was gonna be good this week but it's not the case um, Jason Pinnock is questionable. Aziz Ojolari is out with the calf injury. So, obviously, the rehab he was going through in the week uh, wasn't fast enough to where he could actually play on Sunday. And then John Feliciano is questionable with the groin injury. Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, they don't have any injury designations, so they will play. You look at the Jaguars. Um, Jamal Agnew, who we all remember or at least some of us should, 
he returned a pun return touchdown against the Giants in 2017 as a member of the Detroit Lions. He was a corner. Uh, he converted to wide receiver a short few years ago, and he is uh, inactive. He's, he has a knee injury, and this is a big one, uh, Shaquille Griffin back injury. And, you know, obviously they're more of a strength defense against the run than the pass, and, you know, we might allude to that throughout the, uh, throughout the podcast. And then questionable, Falorunzo Fadakasi, the former Jet, quad injury. Defensive tackle, Devon Hamilton, foot injury. Wide receiver, Marvin Jones, hamstring. And then linebacker, Foyosad Alalaquan, uh, with a calf injury. And, you know, I think these guys are going to be active. I think they're going to play. But if Foyosad Alalaquan, I mean, that would be big for the running game. Because um, also Fadakasi, too, if those two can play, that'd be big for their, you know, uh, run defense. Because Farkasi was always a good run stopper with the Jets. Alalaquan was always a good run stopper with the Atlanta Falcons. And, I mean, they still got Devin Lloyd. They still got some of these other pieces in the interior. Um, but it would help for them to have Falarunzo Farkasi and Fuyasani Alalaquan. Now we look into the 2022 stats and analytics. Um, for the Giants, they're 25th in total yards per game. We're starting with offense first. 31st in Passing yards per game, fourth in rushing offense, and then 18th in points per game. Defensive side of the football, 15th in total yards per game, eighth in passing yards per game. So that's eighth in pass defense, 28th in run defense, and eighth in points per game allowed. This is going to be a test week, in my opinion. This is for me, this isn't for anyone else. Because I feel like two bad games have really given the Giants a bad name in the running game. Um, really, you could maybe even say three because Justin Fields was scrambling in the Bears game and that got a lot of yardage, but we held Khalil Herbert to 77. Um, you know, obviously that Cowboys game, that was a big one where we let Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott run all over us. And then we had, you know, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Kenyon Drake, those guys. I mean, you know, you don't face Lamar Jackson in that type of offense every week. So this is going to be a game where, oh my God, are the Giants really good against the run? Just two bad games? Or are they really bad against the run? So it's going to be a test with Robinson and um, Travis Etienne in the backfield. And I personally like Etienne foot speed-wise a little bit more than Robinson, but Robinson has the more yards on the year. Um, Giants analytics, they're 29th in pass percentage, 4th in run percentage, 31st in pass percentage on first down, and 2nd in run percentage on first down. Um, so obviously... The frequency goes more towards running the football, which may they they may have to stray away from to win this football game. They're first in blitz percentage. Uh, that's been a thing for weeks. When Martindale is our defensive coordinator, we are ninth in pressure percentage and seventeenth in sacks. So that's not bad, um, considering the injuries we've had and the fact that the New York Giants really don't focus a ton on sacks. They focus more on pressure, and we're top ten in pressure percentage. I can't be mad at that. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 11th in total yards per game, 19th in passing offense, 9th in rushing offense, and 16th in points per game. Defensively, 11th in total yards, 21st against the pass, which their secondary sometimes will struggle. And as Carlos mentions in the interview, there's not really a set uh, strength for this team. It's not consistent. Uh, 21st, already mentioned that, against the pass, 3rd against the run, and then 9th in points per game 
Their analytics, well, they're 22nd in pass percentage, 11th in run percentage, 17th in pass percentage on first down, and 15th in run percentage on first down. So uh, they do like to run the ball just a tad bit more. They're bad. Um, excuse me. They're a little bit more balanced than the New York Giants are in the run-pass category. Uh, 15th in blitz percentage, so they don't blitz a ton. 13th in pressure percentage, and then 27th in sacks. They don't get to the quarterback a lot, but in terms of pressure, they kind of know how to put it on top 15 in the league. Now we go to things to look for. Trevor Lawrence is another quarterback that we are facing. This is the third week in a row. Third week in a row where we have a quarterback that's really good against the Blitz. Um, obviously, we'll look more into his stats and stuff on the year when we go to players to watch. will be next. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, yeah, is said to be good against the Blitz. Another challenge for Evan Neal. I mean, if you're the Jaguars' defensive coordinator, you put Josh Allen on Evan Neal. Uh, you don't put him on Andrew Thomas because, I don't know if you guys seen it this week, um, there was a highlight going around on Twitter where Josh Allen was up against Andrew Thomas in college and there was that one run play where just Thomas slapped him out of the fucking uh, vicinity. He slapped him like 20 yards back. So not to say that I would put Trayvon Walker, you know, in a bad position or anything. And that's also a challenge. I mean, they had some pretty even keel reps in college uh, this last year. Neil got some good reps and so did Walker. So, I mean, either way, it's going to be a challenge, but the bigger challenge would be Josh Allen, who does lead them in sacks this year, I believe, with three. Uh, Aziz on a snap count? Well, guess what? Aziz isn't playing, so we have no reason to go over that. And ETN, straight line speed, I mean, in my opinion, as we have talked about this run defense a whole lot, uh, and its struggles, and whether it's consistent struggles or not, um, you cannot let him go into the open field. You cannot let him go into the open field. You've got to close all those gaps. Um, you know, the offensive line, as Carlos mentions, and I know I'm giving away too many spo spoilers of the interview, um, he mentions that the offensive line is rather inconsistent. Uh, Luke Fortner, Ben Barch, Brandon Scherf, some of those other guys. But if he gets in the open field and we only have 10 guys on defense, it's not, it's not a good look. It's not going to be a good look at the end of the day. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much that. Players to watch, Trevor Lawrence. Let's go over the entire offense first. Why not? Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's having a pretty good year so far. Nine touchdowns, four interceptions. He's taking ten sacks. So, once again, this offensive line that he's been um, behind has been inconsistent. You know, Cam, Ta uh, Cam Taylor, Jesus Christ. Uh, there is a Cam Taylor Britt in the NFL. I just don't know where. Uh, he came out of Nebraska, but. Cam Robinson has been inconsistent at points. Uh, Jawan Taylor's been inconsistent at points. You know, uh, it just hasn't been consistent for Lawrence. And, you know, they were projected to be one of the top units coming into this year. They've played mid. They've played mid. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, much better stats than the start of last year. 65.5 completion percentage. 1,397 yards. He's got about 232.8 points of yards per game. Imagine 200 points per game. Uh, but 232.8 yards per game. Nine touchdowns, four interceptions as harped on. And, uh, yeah, so you look at the running game, which I think is a little bit more dangerous. Now, Robinson is 4.2 yards per carry. Uh, ETN about 5.6, but Robinson has more yards. Uh, James Robinson... 
total of 81 rushes, 340 yards, and three touchdowns this season. His longest run being a 50-yarder and causing four explosive plays. Travis Etienne, who I personally like more, I think he's got some really good foot speed. Uh, once he gets into the open, you know, it's very tough to bring him down. 54 rushes, 301 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. No touchdowns this season, so he's going to look for a rushing touchdown. And then four big plays. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has two rushing touchdowns, and Jermichael Hasty has four carries for 63 yards. He had a big 61-yard run that I believe equated into a touchdown. Uh, Jamal Agnew has earned five rushes, and Christian Kirk has two. You move into the receiving game a little bit. Uh, Christian Kirk, who they signed to be you know one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the NFL this past offseason, Four touchdowns, 362 yards, and 25 receptions. Uh, I mean, it's, it's working out for them, at least, you know, like Carlos will remark. It's working out for them, at least for the moment. Uh, Zay Jones, 27 receptions, 227 yards, and a touchdown. Evan Ingram, their third-leading third receiver, uh, 24 receptions, 208 yards, and you know, maybe it's me with bias, but I just don't view him as, oh, he's got to be, he's that he's this scary. Um, I'd put McKinney on him, or maybe even Dane Belton. If he gets, you know, uh, out of hand, if you will, put up Fabian Moreau on him, or Darnay Holmes. But, uh, you know, Evan Ingram is still Evan Ingram. The talent is definitely still there. Marvin Jones, uh, who is questionable, he's got a total of 18 receptions on the year, 208 yards and one touchdown, and then also... Uh, Jamal Agnew has two touchdowns. He's questionable. Actually, no, he's out. What am I talking about? You move to the defensive side of the ball, which is probably a little bit more towards the strength of Jacksonville. And once again, there's not a really consistent strength. We're talking about Devin Lloyd. Now, he's given up, I think, the most receptions in the NFL among linebackers. So that's you know something to watch out. He's got two interceptions on the year, but uh, he's allowed 31 completions on 42 targets, 73.8 Completion percentage, 276 yards. A passer rating is 79.1, which isn't bad for uh, an inside linebacker. And then one touchdown. He has no sacks on the year, no pressures. He's been sent on 19 blitzes, but hasn't gotten home. Hasn't pressured the quarterback, so maybe we look for that. Um, but his main role, even if Foyasadi Alalaquan uh, plays or he doesn't play, uh, it's going to be stopping the run, and it's going to be tasked with, um, you know, basically containing Saquon and if he's put out in coverage maybe we try to get Daniel Bellinger out there I mean obviously he's not the quickest guy but if he can make those contested catches like he did last week for the touchdown hey no problems here uh Trayvon Walker nine pressures so far in the season to combine with a sack uh two tackles for loss three quarterback hits he really made his debut as you hear the fucking car outside um, he really made, he really burst onto the scene against Washington in the first game. He had the interception. He had the sack. Um, not much since then. Not much since then. That's why a lot of people have soured on him. I mean, he's a rookie. He's a project. Many Jacksonville Jaguar fans will tell you that. But the main guy on the edge you probably need to look for is Josh Allen. Um, you know, in his rookie year, he had 10 and a half sacks, which was the most he's had in his career. Um, this year, he's had three which, you know, is more than he got in his second year. 17 total tackles, 10 quarterback hits, 15 pressures on the quarterback, and two forced fumbles, one pass deflection. So um, if he's on Andrew Thomas's side, I trust Andrew Thomas to absolutely lock him down. If he's on Evan Neal's side, 
which, you know, once again, the defensive coordinator might be smart to rotate them to. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I'll feel for Evan Neal if he gets beat or whatever, because Josh Allen has, you know, really good skills as a pass rusher. Uh, you move into the secondary, Shaquille Griffin, I think it is. Shaquille Griffin, I want to say, because I know he had a brother in the NFL that played a twin brother. Yeah, so Shaquille Griffin, he's out. Um, but you still got to look at their top two corners, which I lost my sight here. Um, Darius Williams, he's played really well this year. Uh, 60.6 completion percentage allowed. Uh, no interceptions. A passer rating of 84.2, which isn't bad. He's given up one touchdown. Uh, total of 11 tackles, one pressure. So he hasn't played bad. I actually wanted him. I want to say it was this offseason maybe to kind of cover up that corner two role. Uh, but the Giants obviously didn't really have the money or the funds to get him. Uh, Tyson Campbell is also having a really, really good year. Uh, 52.6 completion percentage. He's got an interception. He's given up two touchdowns, a passer rating of 75. So, you know, he kind of struggled last year. I really didn't want him in the draft because of some of the things he lacks. But, hey, listen, you know, if he's working out for the Jaguars and for the Jaguar fans that like him, hey, listen, you got somebody. And then likely filling in for Shaq Griffin is uh, Trey Herndon, who really hasn't played much this year. Uh, but last year he was not very good. Good. Uh, he gave up one touchdown, 123.9 passer rating, a completion percentage on 94.7. Uh, he's on and off. He's on and off, but uh, we'll see to what extent he gets snaps and all of that. We go to questions to answer. Um, the first two are going to be invalidated because I don't think they're happening. The first question is, will Landon Collins play his first game back as a Giant? I think they're going to wait till next week or maybe even after the bye. Um you know, it is a little senseless to have him play one game before the bye when you could do all of the extra prep and all that stuff during the bye. Um, so I don't think he plays. Will Aziz be back to team up with Kayvon? That's obviously not going to be the case this week because he was ruled out. Um, you know, that's tough. Honestly, you might as well just save him till after the bye. I mean, obviously... You look at the offensive line, and it's kind of struggling in the tackle spot for Seattle, but we're not there yet. Uh, Abe Lucas is struggling a little bit. I think he came out of Washington State. I kind of liked him. And then uh, Charles Cross, he's struggling a little bit. But, hey, listen, he's a left tackle. He's a rookie. Um, I'll give him you know, a, a little bit of time before I criticize him and call him a bust or anything like that. I'm not going too far because I don't know too much about Charles Cross. Um and the Giants put up points against a tough passing defense, well, really tough running defense. Um, and basically, can they switch what they've been doing the last few weeks? Now, obviously, they passed a little bit more in week one, then, you know, found Saquon, and basically that was the ride for the rest of the game. Um, but tough rushing defense in Jacksonville, and as I said, their secondary can either be a strength or a weakness. It's inconsistent. But, um, you know, if you want to take advantage of the absence of Shaq Griffin, who really statistically hasn't been good this year, and Trey Herndon's getting some reps, get Wandale involved. Uh, get Bellinger against Devin Lloyd. Get Darius Slayton involved. Marcus Johnson will be involved, obviously. He's on the roster. Um, I don't think I'm... Richie James, David Sills, I mean, you can mix those guys in as well. 
Um, but I think Richie James, Darius Slayton, Wondell Robinson, Daniel Bellinger, they're going to be the main targets. Uh, does Darius Slayton catch a touchdown? I'm not really sure, but we need a passing touchdown. Why not Slayton for a touchdown, right? Um, and then who covers Evan Ingram? It's got to be a safety. I don't think they're going to put too much emphasis on Evan Ingram. Um, you know, their wide receiver core is better than us in terms of talent and provenness. So they're going to probably look to just say, hey, listen, I'm going to cover these guys with corners. So I would look to possibly say Love or McKinney. You might fare better with Xavier McKinney, but if it gets out of hand where it's Mark Andrews, oh my God, you know, um, where he's getting, you know, how many receptions in zone coverage or man coverage or whatever, you might want to put a corner on him. But I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to get to that point. Keys to win. Then we'll go to the prediction. Then we'll go to the interview. It seems like we're just running by this really, really quick. Uh, keys to win contain the two-headed monster of Etienne and Robinson. This is going to be a test game, at least for myself. Um, you know, whether this rushing defense is really bad or was it just two games that blew up the stats. I'm leaning towards number two right now, but if they can't stop the run against Jacksonville, I'm, I'm going to have to switch to number one where their rushing defense actually isn't very good. Um, you know, Robinson is no pushover. He's one of the more underrated guys because he's not on, you know, he's not a Christian McCaffrey type. He's not an Alvin Kamara type. Uh, Travis Etienne, I mean, they just have one of the better duos in the NFL. And if when they become a good team, trust me, they'll get more recognition. But you got to contain the two-headed monster of Etienne and, Tra- uh, Etienne and um, James Robinson in the running game. Number two, formulate a backup plan outside of Saquon Barkley. That's what you got to do. You got to formulate a backup plan outside of Saquon Barkley. I mean, if they if they stop the run, if they have Farakasi, if they have Alalaquan, if Lloyd plays well, you can't be riding him for the entire game and saying, okay, you know, in the third quarter we're going to switch. You got to make those adjustments earlier in the game. And the Giants have been skidding by, you know, uh, Brian Dable and the coaching adjustments have really helped this team win games. Uh, the Panthers game, when they adjusted in the second half, um, when they adjusted in the second half against the Packers and the Ravens, at some point I do want to see some good all-four-quarter football, but I think Mike Kafka and Brian Dable and the offensive staff need to recognize if Saquon isn't getting the yards because they're stopping him, formulate some type of backup plan um, with the passing attack, Wandale Robinson, you know, Darius Slayton, something. Because their you know, corners are solid. They're not all pros by any stretch of imagination. And number three, win the turnover battle. battle uh, force some fumbles. The Jaguars are fifth in fumble giveaways. The Giants are first in fumble recoveries. So, you know... Let's get on those. Let's get on those turnovers. Now we had the first interception the last game, um, but we've been getting a lot of fumbles overall. We've been forcing a lot of fumbles, and we've been getting a lot of fumble recoveries. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's known to fumble just a little bit. He fumbled it four four times against the Eagles. I don't know how much since then, 
but he's only got four interceptions, so he may not be much of an interception threat as he's a fumble threat. Um, but definitely, once again, for some fumbles. I know Christian Kirk fumbled uh, earlier this year. It was lost. Let's see who else. Um, James Robinson fumbled, but he didn't lose it. Trevor Lawrence, as I said, four fumbles against um, the, uh, what do you call it, against the Eagles and Etienne fumbled two times, but they didn't lose it. So for some fumbles, you know, put some scare into them. And overall, just win the turnover battle. But overall, I know I'm doing this for a third straight week. When they're on the road, this is like how many times already? But I'm picking the Jaguars to win. I think they're the tougher out of the two opponents. If they skid by the Jaguars, I will be ecstatic. And I will actually pick them to win next week. I will promise you guys that. I know that, I once again, I've picked the Giants to win twice this year. But this is a really tough matchup. And it would really surprise me to see Doug Peterson's team go four straight games without a win. I think he's a better coach than that. But we'll see. And they they have talent to win. They just haven't put the pieces together. Anyway, uh, like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. It is not over here as we will turn to the interview with Carlos Sanchez from Black and Teal, the fan-sided page that covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so we are now with Carlos Sanchez of Black and Teal, which is the fan-sided for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Carlos, how are you doing? How are you feeling coming into this game? I'm doing great. Uh, actually, I have like mixed feelings, to be honest, Alex. Knowing that the Gi- the Giants are five and one, and and the and the Jaguars do have the talent to actually win, so it's actually I don't I don't really know. I mean, the was see that I believe is a coin toss. I'm on the same train as you, my man. So let's get right into it here. From last year, obviously, it was a weird situation. It was a very good situation with the Jaguars, with Urban Meyer at the helm and him getting fired midseason. That all impacts a rookie quarterback. Now, Trevor Lawrence is in his second year. He's definitely doing better. Uh, How big is the improvement from his rookie year to his second year in the NFL so far? Big. I believe he's very big. I mean, of course, uh, the, 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 the worst thing you can do is compare him to Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. I think that it's it's unrealistic. I mean, you're you're setting the bar very high. So I think the last thing you, whether it's Daniel Jones or Trevor Lawrence, you cannot compare them to their quarterbacks. What you want to see in a quarterback is helping your team win by making the right decisions, by by not making mistakes. I mean, it sounds basic, but 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 it's not a healthy thing to compare quarterbacks to their to other fellow quarterbacks. I hope that makes sense, but the thing with Trevor Lawrence was that yes, he was a he was a generational talent coming out of college, or at least that's the label that he got. And and playing under Urban Meyer didn't help in any bit. I mean, uh, Meyer didn't know what he was doing most of the time, so it's it's actually funny because he was delegating all the time, but then he wasn't really supervising his development. But now, now actually, he's got a good coach, Doug Pederson. You you know him very well. When all those yeah. times when, when the Giants faced um, faced off against Pederson, but uh, I think that of course uh, he he needs to pay attention to the whole team. But Coach Pederson is actually paying extra attention to 
to Trevor Lawrence's growth. I think that's why he didn't only bring like Press Taylor, he's like his right hand, but also Mike McCoy. I mean, he was a head coach, he was an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So having so many voices, so much input, I think that most of the times it's not effective to have so many people. But in this case, because this is a new project, you, you have as much input as possible. So so delegating Mike McCoy to supervise Lawrence has has helped him a lot. Yeah, definitely. And how do you look at the wide receiver talent around him? And obviously, you know, I'll ask you about the running game in a second, but how do you look at the talent wide receiver-wise around him? I mean, obviously they traded, uh, I think it was last year, they traded LaVisca Chenault. Marvin Jones, there's a couple other guys you could add in there. How do you value the wide receiver talent that they surrounded Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I, I, I think that's the thing. I mean, you have to put any quarterback in a position to succeed. I mean, whether it's Lawrence, whether it's Jones, I mean, in this case, you cannot expect them to, to win the game by themselves. And in this case, they, they made it a priority to upgrade their wide receiver corps. Uh, I think they did a good job. Of course, uh, Probably you saw the talk about Christian Kirk being overpaid. Personally, I think that players are worth what a, what a team is willing to pay them, right? Uh, and in this case, uh, one of the biggest criticisms was that they were paying him even though he hadn't had a 1,000-jar season. But that's the thing, that the Jaguars were paying Kirk based on potential, future potential, not past production. And I think that's something that you need to consider for most positions, maybe not running back, but for wide receivers, quarterbacks for most positions, you have to pay them based on future projections. And in this case, uh, I, I believe the Jaguars got it right with, with Jones, with, say Jones, Marvin Jones. Uh, they traded La Cushion all this offseason because they felt good about the upgrade. So they also, uh, they also released Lequan Treadwell even though he was one of their top targets last year. So, so my point being that the, the, their wide receiver corps got so much better that they didn't need the guys from last year. So, so, so they are in a top 10 unit? I don't think so. I, I would like put them like top 15 maybe, top 20, something along those lines. But, but no, of course, he's got enough talent to make things happen. I, th I think that's the, the, the bottom line. I mean, it's not great, but it's good enough to make things happen. Yeah, and then the running game, which is a very good running game around him with uh, Travis Etienne, James Robinson. Uh, obviously, Etienne was out last year. I mean, how do you look at that running game? I mean, personally, from an outsider, Etienne has just lightning speed. I mean, how do you and the Jaguars fan base and anyone in that uh, area look at it? I, I think it's great. I, I Honestly, I believe that running back is one of their top units. I mean, mo most teams want a, want a number one running back. In this case, the Jaguars have two. I mean, ETN didn't, didn't have many carries early in the season, but how can, you, how can you keep him in the sidelines knowing that he's going to make plays when he gets the ball? Like, I believe, like, early in the season, in the first two games, he had a combined 13 carries. But in the last four, he's averaging uh, 10 plus two or three receptions. So that's 13 chances for him to make plays. And more often than not, he's going to he's going to break off a big run or maybe catch a pass for 20 yards. So, I mean, that that's an, that, that's a 
a weapon they cannot afford to stash in the bench. Yeah. Um, obviously, you were talking about how we're familiar with uh, Doug Peterson from facing all these years in the division. I'm going to move someone who we're a little bit more familiar with, maybe on an even keel level. How has former giant Evan Ingram played so far? I, I believe he, I mean, he's been consistent. I mean, back with the Giants, I think that the talent was always there, right? But it was the drops, the mental mistakes, the reason why he wasn't back. Or Yeah, right? That's the reason he's not back with the Giants this season. I mean, the drops, especially the drops. But so far this season, he's only had one. And and but but that's the thing too because they have so many weapons on offense. I mean, there's only a limited amount of catches that he's going to get. I mean, they have to spread the ball to Christian Kirk, Say Jones, Travis Etienne, James Robinson. So, so so he hasn't been great. He's been but but he's played up to expectations, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the problems with him on the Giants was like he was. At times with the talent, he was always that number one guy, and he's not really a type of guy to be like the number one target. And then obviously you brought up all the talent they have in Jacksonville, how basically the pressure has been alleviated. Um, So obviously it looks as of right now that Jacksonville is just overall a better home for him. Um, And then we'll be seeing him, of course, on Sunday. Um, Jaguars have made some adjustments to the O-line this offseason. I believe they expe- extended Cam Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. They signed Brandon Sheriff. That's correct, Alex. How's, how's that been going so far, the restructuring of the O-line? I think it has been inconsistent, I would say. It's not a weakness like, like in the seller of the league. It's not great either. But that's the thing, like... Cam Robinson is going to have a great game, but you want Taylor isn't. Like, like they've been taking turns having a bad game. I mean, it hasn't been a dominant unit. Like, all five guys or four of them having a great game. Like, there's always a weak link, whether it's your one Taylor or Luke, uh, Luke Fortner or Cam Robinson. I mean, there, there's always one missing. And I think that, that that has been the issue with the Jaguars. It's always... Or at least this season, it's one thing or another. Or, but they haven't been able to put it all together. And this, this is exactly what's happening with the offensive line. Maybe, uh, for example, against the Eagles, Cam Robinson had a pretty good game, but Jawan Taylor struggled. Against the Commanders, Jawan Taylor thrived, but Robinson struggled. So they need. They haven't had that that synchrony yet this season. Definitely for some of the Giants to take advantage of with the uh, Tibbs and some of the interior guys that they have, like Leonard Williams and uh, Dexter Lawrence. How is the number one overall pick in uh, Trayvon Walker look so far? I think uh, it's a project, honestly. I, I believe that he's a project. I think that, well, he was great against the Commanders, one second, one interception. I mean, and especially the interception. I mean, he actually made the effort to to get the ball like he went out of his way to get the interception so that was great effort but but he's pulled down then i think that's that's expected when it comes to a rookie of course that's not what you want from the number one overall pick i mean optimally trayvon walker would be would be a top rusher but but i think that when the jower selected him i mean it was the the best of the bunch 
but they knew that they were taking on a project and that's been the case so far right um I've heard a lot about this inside linebacker tandem. Obviously, you guys drafted Devin Lloyd. You signed uh, Foyosari Alalaquan from the Falcons. Uh, which tandem would you say, or which positional grouping would you say, has played the best so far out of the two of them? Uh, is it the linebacker core, or is it the uh, defensive line? And I've also heard some rumblings about how Devin Lloyd has given up I think the most receptions among linebackers. I mean, if you want to go into that a little bit, of course. I know, of course. No, no. I again, that's the, that's the thing with the Jaguars this season, and I think that's even frustrating, especially for fans, because they have the talent, but they haven't been able to put it all together, and that's at a macro and a micro level. Like, just like one day the defense will play play great, the offense will have a down uh, a down game, and the same thing happens with defensive groups. Like one day the linebacker corps are going to do great, but the secondary not so much. And Devin Lloyd has been great several times. He already registered six passes defensive. He already got two interceptions, but then against the against the Colts, he he allowed a one hundred percent completion rate and a touchdown. So so maybe that's the one you heard about. So 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 even their best players are struggling at times. So, so if you ask me personally, I mean, there hasn't been that one dominant unit. Maybe the running backs, but for example, even Trevor Lawrence, like going going a little into a deviating a little bit. Like Trevor Lawrence has had great performances, like last week, but he's also struggled. The same thing happens with the secondary. Like one one day the the linebacker unit is going to do great, and then it's going to become a liability, and that's what happened to Devin Lloyd because even like two weeks ago, Devin Lloyd was. Uh, front runner for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, um, you're talking a little bit about that secondary. Um, it seems that on the injury report, Shaquille Griffin is out. He's one of your top uh, starting corners. How will they replace him in the game? Trey Herndon um, does a thing that uh, I believe that before this season, I believe the cornerback was one of their deepest units. And that is still the case. They drafted two cornerbacks. They resigned Trey Herndon. So Trey Herndon is going to get the start opposite Taysom Campbell on Sunday. And the well, maybe, maybe you have heard, maybe not, but uh, Taysom Campbell is having like one of the best seasons of the sophomore campaigns. Yes, he, he's like one of the best cornerbacks. And Trey Herndon, I think he's a uh, serviceable. Uh, so, so, so it's not going to be much of a drop off from Shaquille Griffin and Herndon. Yeah, I definitely looked into the stats, and Tyson Campbell's having a, a solid second year here in the NFL. Uh, moving more into the game preparation and preview, who do you think are two X factors for the Jaguars? One on offense and one on defense. I, I believe in the in the defense would be Folorunso Fatukasi, the defensive tackle. He used to play for the for the, the Jets. Jets. Like, uh, he was limited in practice, but if he's able to go, I mean, their chances of stopping Senquan Barkley are going to go up. And I think that's the thing. The Jaguars must account for, for Barkley in every play. Otherwise, they're going to get roasted again. So so if Fatou Cass is good to go, I mean, they're, they're going to have a good, a good chance on defense. And on offense, 
there are many. I, I, I would say Trevor Lawrence. I would say Trevor Lawrence. It sounds like the the popular pick, but he needs to he needs to be consistent again. Like uh, he was coming off a two two game uh, streak in which he made mistakes uh, against the Eagles and the Texans. He he turned the ball over seven times in two games. That's simply too much, right? So. He won't be able to... Well, last game, he completed 90% of his passes. I think that's unsustainable. But he needs to make good mistakes. <laughs> he needs to make good decisions with the ball. So so, so if he can avoid turning the ball over, I think that the Jaguars are going to have a chance to win. Definitely agree there. And who are your two X-factors if you're you know looking at the Giants, one on offense and uh, one on defense? Oh, well, I, I think that's an easy one. Sinquan Barkley. I, I think that, that that's their, their their whole offense right there, right? I think he 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 leads the the Giants in reception. So it's not only the running game; it's also the the passing game too, right? So, I, and and I think that Daniel Johnson offense to a certain to to a to a few to a lesser degree, but but yeah, it certainly has to be Barkley. But then on defense, I would say maybe Dexter Lawrence, maybe Dexter Lawrence, and that's the thing though. If 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 they're able to to dominate the trenches, if they're able to 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 win at the line of scrimmage again, that sounds cliche, but I think that's like uh, that's like their not not the X factor, but that's like. Their core, that, that's what they do the best, based on what I've seen, uh, whether it's Leonard Williams or whether it's Dexter Lawrence, Kevin Thibodeau, uh, if, they're, if they manage to, to, to win at the line of scrimmage, I mean, they're going to be able to beat the Jaguars. Definitely. And who do you have winning on Sunday? Honestly, that's a good question because before the season, I thought the Jaguars were going to be able to, 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 to beat the Giants. But on Monday, I published an article, and I believe that the Giants are going to win. They say that they're they're, they're like one of the worst five and one teams, but they find ways to win, and and ultimately that's what matters, right? Uh, uh, we were we were joking around it because. The Jaguars got a, a B plus for their performance last week, even though they lost. I don't care about the grades. I don't care about having a good performance. What I care is that they win. So, so, so going back to your original question, I believe the Giants are going to win this one. They're going to find a way to win ugly. Uh, uh, however you want to call it, a win is a win, right? Yeah, I definitely agree there. A win is a win, and we're lucky we got five wins. I mean, we've got more wins than 2017, 2018, 2019, 2021. So it's it's a it's an anomaly year, but hopefully it's not a, an outlier year in the future. Carlos, where can people find you, your social media, and your writing? And of course, you can find me at the Black and Teal on Twitter. The same you can find me on the Black and Teal on Facebook. And also, you can find me at the Raider Rumble on Twitter. That that's uh, that's another page I write for. Both the Black and Teal and the Raider Rumble. Definitely, uh, definitely go follow him on Twitter. Look at his work, Carlos. It was a great discussion. Thank you for coming on, man. No, thank you for inviting me, Alex. Mm-hmm.